Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Ollie Mansbridge played rugby for England under 18s and professionally in his teens and into his early 20s. He's now left his rugby career behind, but still is very heavily involved in the world of sport and fitness. He's now a coach at CrossFit Bath and an owner, dare I say, whose mission statement is to help people at all levels of fitness change their lives through exercise and nutrition. He also organises events to help people qualify for the CrossFit Games. So a very, very interesting guest today. Somebody was actually recommended to me just simply because he is so fascinating in terms of what he's achieved. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome today's guest, Ollie Mansbridge. Ollie, welcome. Thank you for having me. I feel very humble to be here, to be honest. So, uh, not, uh, thank you. The, the, the humbling experience is mine because I know you've got lots to tell us. So um, for those people who don't know you and respectfully, there might be lots of people listening uh, that don't know who Ollie Mansbridge is. Tell us a little bit. Well, first of all, about your rugby career and and maybe the transition from rugby to this this newfound career, this this you're a business owner, right? So yeah. how did all that come about? So first of all, let's let's find out a little bit about Ollie and then we'll t- then we'll explore this CrossFit thing. Okay, great. I'll try and keep it as short as possible. Um, so I grew up in Bath, loved sport all my life, swam, played football, played rugby, taekwondo, everything, everything under the sun. I, I absolutely loved it. When I was about 13, kind of, I had to drop some things because trying to do all of it was just ridiculous. I was doing like two games of football on a Saturday, two games of rugby on a Sunday. So um, decided to just carry on playing rugby, partly because I loved it more than anything. I was I was good at it. Uh, and then when I was 16, I had the opportunity to get a scholarship to a school in Bristol called Colston's Collegiate, uh, which is a huge uh, rugby school, massive legacy. We used to. Unfortunately, it's not, not quite the same anymore. Uh, so I spent two years there, and after at the end of those two years, I was I was fortunate enough to play for uh, England under 18s, um, which is a massive kind of it's kind of pinnacle when you when you're that age. That's that's what you kind of dream of. So delighted to do that. And then uh, we went on tour actually with school to Australia, and we travelled around there for three weeks. And seven of us actually decided we were going to stay there. We were like, this is awesome. We're we're going to stay in Australia. So I stayed there for about ten months. Um, Lots of my friends that I played for England with and was at school with were doing very well in their rugby career uh, back in back in the UK. And I thought I'd better get my my butt back and uh, start chipping away at that. So um, and and honestly, I kind of started my way through um, getting back into rugby. I kind of was riding a wave from kind of fifteen right to eighteen when I played for England. I kind of was building some momentum and and going away. Although Australia was a brilliant, brilliant. Um, experience for me and I learned a huge amount of lessons 18 other side of the world living on your own um, I probably lost a little bit of that momentum and I never really kind of got back into my stride again so after when I come back I played for Bristol um, stayed there for a season then I moved to Worcester uh, I was at Hartbury College at the same time as well so Hartbury College was uh, an up-and-coming kind of university and they had big ambitions in terms of growing the national leagues 
I played uh, played there for a couple of years alongside playing for Worcester and Hartbury would pay for my accommodation and it allowed me to do a degree free of charge as well. So it was kind of marrying the two together. Uh, again, when we um, when I finished playing at Hartbury, we won the, the University's League, the Booster League, so it was the first time Hartbury had won that. I think they've won it kind of eight out of the last 10 years now. So we were kind of right at the beginning of that kind of legacy. Um, after I finished that, things weren't really going very well at Worcester, uh, and and it was looking like I might be signing for Plymouth, which is like right down in the the depths of uh, Devon. And 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 actually, I just kind of had a moment of reflection and just thought, you know, do I still? I've played for three clubs in as many years. Do I, is this really what I want to be doing? And so I kind of made a tough decision to move back to Bath, move back with my parents, and kind of just took stock and tried to figure out what I was going to do with my life, basically. Um, and then that that kind of led me into the transition into kind of the fitness realm. So when I moved back to Bath, uh, I was still kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, really. Uh, and, and and growing up, I never really fully um, knew what I wanted to do. I just I, I was I was very I wasn't very interested at school, if I'm honest. Uh, I applied myself to some subjects, and they were the subjects I was good at. So I enjoyed chemistry, I enjoyed maths, but um, the, there's there's two subjects that I really enjoyed was obviously sports, mm. uh, but also art as well. And I was going to do an art foundation degree at, at, at university, um, which is kind of a little bit unusual. Uh, not for any, many of my rugby uh, playing buddies were, were had the same interest. Um, so yeah, never really, really nailed down what I was going to do. And, um, my mum was a member of a country club and she said like, right, let's get you to the gym. That's, you know, we've got to get you back on your feet and, and, and figuring out what you're going to do. So she paid for me to go to this, this, uh, country club just to, um, it, it, it had a, like a little gym and it just meant like I could do some training and keep mm. myself active. And I was speaking to one of the trainers there and they were saying, yeah, I actually, uh, when I started working here, I used to work on reception and uh, the country club paid for me to do all my personal training qualifications. So oh, that's interesting. Saw a reception position come up and I was playing a semi-professional rugby at the time. So I'd signed for Bridgewater and they'd um, they'd pay you per game, basically. Mm. So it wasn't, you didn't have that regular income. It was good. It was it was not, not bad money per game, but if you weren't playing, you know, you could potentially be in a position where you're not earning any money. So I needed something to just keep keep my um keep my bank balance uh, ticking along so in my head I was thinking okay if I get a reception job here maybe they'll pay for me to do my personal training course and I potentially be a personal trainer uh, and and lo and behold got a reception job uh, six months later I was uh, doing a personal training degree and and I decided that's what I wanted to do uh, at the same time the guys working in the gym I built up a really good relationship with and we started and uh, we stumbled across something called CrossFit so uh we were always looking for new ways of training and, and trying to uh, look for the next kind of awesome thing. And, and, and CrossFit really resonated us as 21, 22-year-old kids. We, we we absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, and then I, at the time, CrossFit was really unknown and uh, it, was, it, it was never really a kind of business proposition. It was just something that we loved. And we found it very difficult. And, and if you're not familiar with CrossFit, CrossFit is uh, is the finders constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity and we, and we combine gymnastics weightlifting monostructural stuff which is kind of rowing running basically everything you can think of we try and combine it all together because we don't think one way of of, of mm. working out is more important than the other and so that really resonated with us and we, and we loved it so we 
so we we were we were training out of all the, my mate's garage. We trained there. Um, we trained in like a youth uh, like a community center. There was a yoga class downstairs, and we were dropping weights. So it didn't really kind of work out there. And in the end, the, the, we just kind of decided, look, look, why don't we just open a little space, a little five hundred square foot space? We'll just train our friends, family, because we're passionate about it, we love it, and we want people to, to experience it. But again, it never really seemed like a business proposition. So we, we did that, that kind of on the side while still working. Uh, and then after after about six months, we were looking around, thinking there's 50 people in this place, what, what are we going to do? And then after 12 months, we opened, expanded and opened a, a bigger space. And the rest is kind of history, really. We've just kind of grown ever since. And uh, you know, that was 10 years ago now. We were one of the very, very earliest CrossFit gyms, and it's a completely different beast now. Um, and we were very privileged to kind of find it just at the right time. You do have a very impressive setup, and I've checked it out. Um, and I, I may, since I'm a bit of a sport billy and a fitness lover, I may have to come down and try it out for myself. Um, you've already touched on a, a number of very interesting things, which I'd like to pick up on, if I may. One of the things you said earlier on, uh, Ollie was making tough decisions. You made a tough decision to move back with your parent. That's probably the toughest decision for anybody. Um, <laughs> you know, the thought of me leaving home at 18 and having to go back to where I started is, is very tough indeed. But um, it seems to me that um, tough decisions form part of one's uh, progression in life. You know, you have to take those decisions. And I realise it's an obvious question. I realise it was tough. But would you say that people have to uh, be realistic about their situation and and do what's necessary in order to be able to progress to the next place in life. Um, yeah, I guess from speaking from my own experience, I actually was probably guilty of giving up a little bit too soon, actually. And um, one of the things that drives me today is I always have that sense that I never really fulfilled my potential in rugby. That was I, one I, of my questions, actually, because yeah. I was going to say, did you ever feel having played for England and under 18s, which is, you know, extremely prestigious for a young man to have achieved that, uh, and then not progress to the senior side. Do, do you ever feel a bit unfulfilled? Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you can. There's loads of different reasons why that kind of came about. Some of it is luck. Ultimately, uh, I had real. I, I think I was just a little bit lost. Actually, I needed. I needed. I probably needed some mentors in my life just to put their arm around me and say, "Look, come on, g- give me some direction." Because. For about three or four years, I was very, very kind of lost, and my attitude would dip in and out. So I'd be, I'd have bouts of like a couple of months where I was super motivated and, and, and you know, on my training and meticulous about my nutrition and really, really on it. And then I'd just have other bouts where I'd just be really low and just disinterested with it, really. Um, and and so yeah, I think I think you do have to be realistic, absolutely. Uh, and, and and you could argue that maybe I just wasn't quite good enough. Um, but, I, but I also think I was guilty of maybe giving up a little bit too soon. Can I ask you, is it okay to not quite be good enough? Because one of the things you also said earlier that I wanted to pick up on was you didn't quite know what you wanted to do. And I think a lot of people, listeners, we, you know, we have tens of thousands of listeners now, and a lot of them I know struggle with this sense that there is a degree of expectation, whether it comes from parents, whether it comes from their peer group. Is it okay to not quite fulfil, you know, is is there a, does a new opportunity open up? It certainly did in your case. I, I think what people need to hear from people, the reason we love people like you as guests, Ollie, is because you're normal. And, and I don't say that disparagingly. <laughs> I'm very you're normal. normal. You're, you're a normal bloke, right? With all the same challenges that most people have in life. Don't quite know where they want to go. Um, you know, missed opportunity. But instead of beating yourself up, you kind of just dusted yourself down and, and a new door opened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, the the uh, 
when people have had disappointments, whether they've been a, a, an employee of mine or uh, someone in my life where m- maybe something's not worked out, I actually say, I always say to them, the world is now your oyster. You can go and do whatever you you want to, uh, and don't be don't feel like you're in a rush to make a decision about what you want to do. You need to experience life. You need to get out there. You need to try and experience as many different things in in life to to really figure out what it is you want to do. And I'm I'm kind of 33 now, and I'm still kind of navigating myself through that path, and still don't fully know what my 40s are going to look like, what my 50s are going to look like. Um, and I think you just need to live life and and. Uh, uh, that's that's yeah that's my but it seems like you kind of embrace that it's almost all right for it not to be mapped out to not not take every day as it comes because that's kind of a bit haphazard but you've clearly got a plan for today yeah and then you wait to see and kind of adjust the sails on the boat if that's the good metaphor to use um it, it's it strikes me that you're kind of okay with that you're comfortable yeah. with it and and what's happened before was a learning experience and and now a new opportunity exists that, yeah. Would that be fair? Yeah, I guess there's two, there's two sides of it. It's, it's getting very clear in your mind about uh, what you want to do, and that, that's okay to not know what that is, and just you, know, you need to just go out and experience things. But also coming back to what you said about um, other people's expectations, uh, I think you 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 need to ignore what other people's expectations are. It's it's intrinsically what you want to do and what feels right for you. And mm. it sounds a bit woo woo, but you got to trust your gut, trust your intuition. I'm a massive believer of that. And and uh, so yeah, th- 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 there is always going to be pressures from the outside world. Mm. But if people love you and they care about you, they're just going to be happy for for you and what you want to do. And my my parents were actually brilliant. I mean, I think you know, I said about that mentor and putting my someone someone putting their arm around me. Uh, you know, some people could say, "Well, that's what parents are for," but actually, my parents just encouraged me to do whatever I want. So, one per- when I was making the decision to go Australia, somebody could have said, "Well, actually, is that going to be the best for your rugby career?" From my parents' perspective, they were like, "That is amazing. We would have never had that opportunity. We we were younger. You've got to go for it, do it." And they encouraged me to do it. And they've they've been amazing. Actually, they've encouraged me to do whatever I want, and they've been great role models for me. So I've got a lot well, to well lot done. to thank them for. Well done, mum and dad. Yeah. I was going to ask you earlier when you said you went to Australia and decided to stay for ten months. I was going to ask you, did you actually phone home and let them know yeah. that you wouldn't be back for a while? Um, I, I I like very much the fact that you've uh, used the word. I think I'm quoting you correctly. Earlier on, you said, we did something that we loved. And I've also heard the word passion. And that definitely shines through in what you are currently doing. Um, is it a question of, or would your advice to people be, find something that you fundamentally love to do? Is it is it a passion that helps you to become successful or attracts other people to you and to what you're looking to do? I think you, you need, absolutely need to love what you do. And if you're waking up in the morning dreading, going to work, et cetera, then you're probably, that's going to be the first indicator that you're probably not doing something that's aligned with your values and, and, mm. and what's going to fulfill you long-term. Uh, I think you do need to be good at what you do as well. I think there's, there's it's all well and good being super passionate about it, but if you're not, you know, if you're passionate about music and, mm. and playing the guitar and being an international rock star, but you, you can't play the guitar and you're not very good, then that is always going to hold you back slightly. So mm. I think it's, it's, it's trying to find a compromise and you might not be the best in the world at one thing and you can make it up with, with passion. And, uh, but if you're the best in the world and you haven't got that passion, you know, you're going to, you're going to come unstuck and people are probably going to see that through, through that eventually. And you're going to be unhappy basically. Yeah. Uh, Ollie, if it's okay, I'd like to just explore for for a second uh, CrossFit and the benefits it brings. Now, you are the first guest, I think, that has talked or is talking about 
physical fitness. Um, we've talked to, to a lot of sports stars that have enjoyed success in their chosen sport, but we haven't really talked to, to somebody like you that is really focusing on physical fitness. Is there a correlation? Is there a link between physical fitness, mental fitness, self-esteem, confidence in your experience? Uh, 100% is the short answer. Um, I think that especially in this day and age, it's very hard to uh, eat well. There's lots of distractions. There's lots of temptations. It's very hard, ironically, to move. And I think that's very important. Um, and there's a lot of inputs through social media, through tech, uh, coming at you all the time. And, and it's very hard to have that respite, have that kind of uh, clarity. Uh, you're always being bombarded with stuff all the time. And so they all kind of lead into one. And, and, and I think if uh, you could have the best diet in the world, you could have the best training regime in the world, but if you're stressed and you're unhappy, that is going to have a massive detriment to your, to your health. If you're really happy uh, and you're super fit, but your diet's terrible, that's also going to have a knock-on effect. So they all kind of interconnect, and they're all equally as important as each other, to mm. be honest. So, and, and, what, and it's very hard, It's very hard, and you have to be disciplined. You have to work at, at all three of them, uh, but uh, you, can't, you can't really afford to not have one because, like I said, you, you, could, you could be a 10 out of 10 out of two, but if one of them's a, a two out of 10, you, you're going to come mm. unstuck at some point. So. And are there any, uh, any great tips on nutrition? One thing that, you know, I, I spend a lot of time tra- traveling, as I know a lot of, uh, what well, a lot of listeners do, you know, they spend a lot of time in cars, trains. It's very difficult with all the fast food outlets these days to just, to just eat junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you got any thoughts around nutrition and what people should be um, observing on a basic level? One of the things I've recently done is obtained an app and just logging what I'm eating has mm-hmm. made a massive difference mm-hmm. because it's, it's the understanding of what's kind of going into my body that's made a difference. But yeah. are there any other kind of general tips, basic principle of, you know, consume more calories than you burn, you put on weight? And, or is it is it as simple as that? Or is it probably a few yeah, other things to I it? I think you're, you, the listeners are probably waiting for that like silver bullet <laughs> that's going to give them the Come answer. On, Ollie. Come to, on, Ollie. Um, but the, the honest answer is it really depends on you and it's very individual nutrition. I think trying to, it's, and I've experienced over the last 10 years, trying to get everyone to eat a certain way is 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 not gonna it's not realistic so um there's a certain element of uh, understanding and awareness within yourself i think like you said uh sandra about the uh tracking that's some people find that really beneficial you've got people that are very techy and and like the analytics of things so logging their food seeing like quantities etc gives them that awareness and they enjoyed in it. Other people just don't, last thing they want to do is spend any more time on their phone or, mm. and, and so they kind of need to do it more of a holistic way. Um, but I think ultimately the, the, the two things when it comes to nutrition is it's, it, there is a, there's, there's, you got to eat less than you, uh, well, eat less than you move basically. So calories do, do matter to a certain degree, but also food quality, especially in this day and age. I think people, people kind of, you get two camps, you get people that go down the, counting calories route, 
which is great and I'll see success for that, but their skin won't be great. You know, they won't be very happy because the quality of food they're eating is, is not mm. brilliant. Uh, and then you'll have the camp that say, look, eat as much as you want, as long as it's good quality. And actually, you know, that, that doesn't always work. Things like nuts can be you know, a menace because they think, well, that's healthy for you. But if you eat a pot of nuts, it's, it's like having an extra yeah. meal. And so, um, like I said, there's no there's no right or wrong answer. I think you just, there's a, a certain amount of uh, awareness around you and, and especially in the types of food that you eat as well. So if you're um, if you're from, you're a white Caucasian person from growing up in Britain, your diet's going to look very different to say you grow up in uh, Hawaii or something like that, just, just from your heritage. And, mm. and we've evolved over so, so many years. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably not the <laughs> not that's no, not no, a really straightforward yeah, answer. No, but. And I wasn't really expecting one. It was it was a kind of a trick question. Um, I think it's because a lot of people have a basic lack of understanding, and if you have a lack of understanding, it's very very difficult to take any kind of positive action. Yeah. What would you say? Because I know again, I know a lot of listeners will probably be suffering from a good deal of inertia. They will be sitting there thinking, "Well, I'm overweight. I'm really struggling. I've got low self esteem." What's the point? How do I even get started? You know, there's a lot of people I know that want to shift a bit of weight mm. to a greater or lesser extent. Mm-hmm. How do people get going on that journey? Because, you know, the, even the thought of a gym kind of sends them into, you know, some kind of meltdown. How, how do people just start a process? Because that's half the trick, isn't it? It's just to get going. Yeah. I mean, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I think I've always found personally that accountability is huge. So if you try and do it by yourself, it's always going to be an uphill battle. If you've got somebody that's keeping you accountable, whether it's a spouse, you you need to have the support of of your spouse or your family because we, we, we see a lot um, if, if 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 one person is super motivated and they want to they want to uh, get going with a new new regime, we do see uh, unfortunately that their spouse kind of holds them back a little bit because they're not quite ready to to do it themselves. Or you find that one spouse is super motivated and they they eat really clean and it almost puts the other person off because that's their kind of that's their, their bag and and they're always not going to be quite good enough. So you need that support network. You need that that support around you. Mm. Um, I think you you need to set goals. So and th- those goals need to be very small to begin with you know it's just okay this week I'm going to walk half an hour every day that's all it needs to be um, and then you can build on that and, and and you start to build momentum and just be okay again going back to what we were talking about earlier that is just walking is good enough just not snacking in between meals what, what are those things that you can do and there's a there's a his surname's Ballantyne I can't remember what his first name is but he has a brilliant kind of five step process which I've found that works and it says you need to have uh, meaningful incentives so what, what are you going to give yourself as a as a reward because you need to reward yourself for the hard work um, cheerleaders which is your f- friends and family uh, you need that accountability professional accountability so finding a coach whether it's an app like you said that, that gives you feedback or, mm. or whether it's uh, hiring a personal trainer or, or, or a gym etc uh, you, but you need that kind of professional uh, accountability and there's a couple of others but they're the kind of key ones people in your life that are going to support you and help you through it, especially when it gets tough, because we all know that when we're starting a new exercise regime, it's all good when it's going well. It's in the, in, it's in the when after two weeks or a month when kind of motivation drip, 
dips or you go away on holiday and you just lose all that momentum basically so you need them you need that professional accountability so a coach or or someone just saying that come on um keeping you keeping you accountable because we all need that um and uh and yeah so there's 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 multiple ways you can skin it but i think they're the two key ones accountability and and having people supporting you through that process and then you get all these uh, crazy guys, women who turn up and say, right, we want to compete the CrossFit Games, mm-hmm. whatever that is. I'm sure you're going to tell us <laughs> what it is, uh, but it sounds pretty painful to me. Uh, how do you prepare people for that? Um, so I, I think, and CrossFit's actually going through a transition at the moment. So when I first started CrossFit 10 years ago, um, the sport of CrossFit and the CrossFit Games didn't actually exist. I think a lot of people probably are familiar and aware of CrossFit now through Netflix documentaries and iTunes documentaries. Um, and uh, the CrossFit Games kind of happened by accident, really. Uh, th- there was lots of people, this is before social media, there was lots of people commenting on notice boards and stuff online. And and Greg Glassman, who was the founder of CrossFit, thought, you know, well, let's get everyone, let's get everyone together and, and just have a, a, a throwdown. We'll, and... Um, they basically what Greg Glassman did is he defined what fitness is. So it's uh, work capacity across broad time and domains. And basically, what that means is the person that can do more work, over, you know, in the shortest period of time, is the fittest. And um, we we you you always believe that uh, in the traditional sense, you'd say like a triathlete or a runner was the fittest. Um, but why is a strong man not as fit? They're just they're just mm. different in in, in in different facets. So. He felt like Mo Farah, okay, he's he could, he's got the world record for 10k, 5k, but uh, you know he can't. He struggles to pick his kids up. You know, um, you got the strong men on the other end of the spectrum are super, super strong, but they're out of breath walking to their car. But can we meet? Can we meet? Can we find someone in the middle that you know is is, is not maybe the best runner in the world, but they're just below that, and they're they're not quite as strong as a strong man, but they're they're almost there. So can we find that person basically over? Uh, a number of different tests. So he called it Woodstock of Fitness, just invited everyone to a ranch in uh, in Aromas in California, and there's probably about 100 people turned up. Uh, the following year, there's probably about 300 people turn up. Um, 2009 started becoming very global, and we had uh, yeah, international people turning up, maybe 500 people. And then Reebok came on board, uh, and they sponsored the games for uh, a 10-year period, basically. And that injected a load of money into the into the sport, and they moved to the um, well, LA LA Galaxy Carson in again in California and LA. So they moved their big stadium, and then it kind of snowballed to what we see see on on TV today. Um, and 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 so it kind of happened by accident. It was just like exploded, just yeah, it aligned with the growth of CrossFit basically. And CrossFit have kind of come to the point where they. They kind of feel for every person that watches the CrossFit Games, you might have one person that's that sounds that looks awesome. I want to do it, and then another ten people think, well, there's no well, no chance in hell I'm ever going to be able to do that, so I'm not going to join a CrossFit gym. And so um, they're kind of de-emphasizing the CrossFit Games a little bit internally. This, yeah. they, they're using people like us who run events to do it for them but they're kind of scaling the team down and, and getting back to their core focus which is health and fitness and wellness and basically getting people off the couch and, and into the gym or or just moving basically so they're, they're, they're putting a lot of their um, resources back into that um, so that's kind of just gives you a bit of context mm. about the games etc uh, in terms of preparing people for it what we, what we 
what we find is actually for every hundred person that joins the gym, there might be one person. There's probably more than that. It's probably 500 people that join the gym. Maybe one person has the potential to even consider training for the mm. CrossFit Games. And, and uh, it's got to the point now where the top, top athletes are earning seven figures and their household names and they do it full time. And I think if you've got aspirations of, of trying to qualify for the CrossFit Games and go to the CrossFit Games, you've got to be prepared to drop everything else and just mm. and go full time, which is, is really, really tough. And it's the same in, in lots and lots and lots of sports where um, it's only kind of the top 0.5% that actually earn a living from the sport and everyone else is kind of scratching around. Mm. It's, it's a very, very tough gig. Um, but not just other sports, but also business and life in general. Uh, but again, what I hear you saying is it, it's kind of okay to, you don't have to be at the top of your game. You just have to, you have to be fulfilled. You have to find a place in life that you're happy with and just start a process towards yeah. towards the outcome, right? I, I, yeah, exactly. And I think if anyone, I will never discourage someone. If somebody says to me, I want to go to the CrossFit Games, I'll never discourage them. I will be honest with them and say, Look, you need to have a certain level of athletic ability here before, before you know, to even to entertain it. Mm. Um, but but also, I always remind them that it, it's just important to just do your best. If as long as you're doing your 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 best, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. Um, and 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 you're not going to be at your best all the time. And 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 you, you know, it's a very it's a cliche, but you learn from your failures and you learn from the things that you don't achieve. And one of the beautiful things, actually, in especially in fitness and and the lessons that you learn from it. it, it it transpires across all different facets of your life, right? Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of going back to what the benefits of fitness and and not just CrossFit, any anything really. Mm. I, I think I'm very passionate about CrossFit and what, what that can and it can do for you. And I, f I feel like it's you know I I do CrossFit. I feel like that's what I always do, regardless of you know where I go in my life. Uh, but but I think it's important to to note out that. Even just walking, just going for a run, don't have to be doing CrossFit. Just because this this magazine says you have to be doing weights, and this one's saying, "Oh no, weights are bad for you." So just do what you enjoy and what's right for you at that point in in place and time. So there's a well-known magazine which I won't mention, but I used to subscribe, and every single month. Uh, what I was reading about what I should be doing fitness-wise, nutrition-wise, was complete contradiction from what yeah. I read the previous month. Yeah. So it got a bit confusing. Okay, uh, final couple of questions um, since time is nearly up, unfortunately. First of all, what's next for Ollie? Uh, do you plan to conquer the CrossFit world and end up opening another 100 gyms, or are you happy with what you've got? Or what's, what's your plans for the future? Yeah, I think um, everything that's kind of happened to me is kind of happened by accident really I've just, like I said I've just kind of chased opportunities I think and, you're being uh, a bit modest there <laughs> um, so and I, I, I actually honestly find that every six months is, is different uh, and I, I and I, I hear people and I've listened to people have five year goals and one year goals and actually I kind of have three month goals and I want to you know I look three months ahead because uh, I know that in three months six months nine months there's going to be a twist and a turn and especially in the CrossFit world actually because it's so dynamic and it is growing it's on a, a real steep kind of um, growth trajectory so um, I think for me we've just delivered a big 
international event uh, and at the London Excel. So I'm kind of licking my wounds after that and having some respite. Uh, that was a huge success for us. It was the first one we've done at kind of that scale. And we had about four and a half thousand people there. So we were delighted with that outcome. But uh, it's an opportunity now to just reflect and, 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 and review that and see how we can you know make it better next year. Um, but also, but what's allowed is me to give some focus back to the gyms now and so it's just looking uh, looking to the next kind of six months of where we want to take the gym with the with the bar facility we've we've had some issues over the last couple of years in terms of finding the right facility um sounds bizarre but we're actually in a in a pub in a football club at the moment basically uh, it's like a shared space and i'm waiting for my uh, design innovation rule award because that's how we're making the, the the shared space work but it's not ideal at the end of the day and we we want to we're working hard to try and find a, a permanent home that we can we can we know we're going to be there for the next 20 years and and we can really build it in a way that we want to because that is restricting us a little bit so that's kind of my my key focus my key focus so message to all bath based landlords there is a possible yes, tenant please, here <laughs> please i mean because bath's a world heritage site it yeah. makes it incredibly challenging yeah. to a, find a beautiful any, city yeah, i have to is, say beautiful yeah. city well i'm definitely going to come down and, and uh Great. and check it out if that's okay um one of the one of the questions, Ollie, we ask all of our guests, and I know you've listened to some of the podcasts, so you know what's coming. Uh, and that is, uh, if you're giving advice, you know, you're only in your mid thirties, still a young man, as we were discussing earlier. I can say that because I'm fifty. Um, but based on all the things that you've learned to date, and you're still on that journey, I understand. But based on all the things you've learned to date, what one piece of advice would you give to a younger version of Ollie? Uh, that you were kind of training, if you like, coaching to go out into the big wide world, maybe thinking about what he or she wants to do, um, thinking about setting up their own business. If, if you could kind of encapsulate that in yeah. one bit of advice, what what would it be? Oh, it's a tricky one, just to, that's unkind given me We always one, leave but... the hardest one to last. <laughs> um, I think for me, uh, if I'm brutally honest, growing up, I was probably too concerned about what other people thought. So um, ignoring that you know, being true to yourself good, and, and completely ignore, ignore what other people think. Cause I felt like sometimes I was prioritizing being popular over what I should have been doing. Um, and, and also just, uh, I, I, I think Rich Branson says, screw it, just do it. And I completely <laughs> subscribe to that. I think you can, whether it's starting a fitness regime, starting a business, whatever you is analysis by paralysis. And yeah. you just gotta, you just gotta do it. And, and what's, what's the worst going to happen? You're going to make some mistakes and you're going to learn from those lessons and, and that's going to make you a better person and, and more successful in the future. So how do we find out more about you? Um, have you got? Are you on social media? Have you yeah, got? I'm on have, social you, media. have you got a website and yeah. your and your facility and your pub? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on the Instagram, Ollie Mansbridge. Uh, it's mainly O double L I E O double L I E Mansbridge M A N S Bridge. Mainly pictures of my kids, to be honest. So uh, that's okay. not, not, not much to learn there. Um, we like we like yeah. doting fathers. That's yeah. good. Uh, CrossFitBath.com is uh, is the gym and Strength in Depth. Dot com is is the competition which uh, is growing and we're really excited to see where that's going to go in the next couple of years. So fabulous! Check well, that it's, out. it's been great having you as a guest. I'm, really, I'm, I'm so thankful. I can't remember who it was that introduced us, but anyway, Mizzy was it? It was Mizzy. It yeah. was Mizzy. Um, and of course, Lee has been a guest on this show. So uh, it's been fabulous meeting you. Um, long may your success continue in whichever direction you go and these lovely little three month goals that's a really it's a different take on stuff we've heard from people before so that's terrific um wishing you lots of success i mean you're already a fit fit young man anyway looking at you um so not much else needs to happen there but um i'm definitely going to come and check out 
the facility for sure because I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a fitness fanatic. Yeah. Though you wouldn't be able to tell, would you? But hundred um, no, percent. We'll definitely have a call. After you told me you were fifty, I can, <laughs> yeah, I think I could learn a few things from you, Sandra. Well, thank to be you. Nice well, we'll, we'll share some notes then. But it's been a privilege having you as a guest, and and I'm sure because so many people are fascinated in uh, in personal performance, fitness, nutrition. I'm sure we'll get bombarded with questions. So perhaps we'll have you back on the show, and we can talk about you know the nitty gritty next time. But it's been great. Uh, learning about your your life, your journey, and as I said, every success in the future. No pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been an honour. Thank you. That was the Sandro Forte podcast, and what a fantastic guest Ollie Mansbridge was. There are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks, so please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some more great tips on success. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. That's Sandro's with an S. Same on all channels. And we'd love to continue to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or whatever it is that motivates you. So please keep those emails coming. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please, please leave those reviews on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you.